Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to this new episode. Today we are going into the mobility sector with a startup that has a disruptive business model. Through sanitization, they want to reach zero impact for personal mobility. As you can imagine, the list of honors is big. They have been awarded the outstanding contribution for motor innovation by the Royal Automobile Club. They are pioneer in circular economy and hydrogen. They are emerging innovator with the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and they are within the best 100 disruptors by Disrupt 100. Today, we have the commercial manager of River Simple, Julia Chesney Roberts. Thank you, Julia, for being with us. Hello, Sam. It's a delight to be here. Thank you so much, Julia. I'm very happy to have you here. Mobility is, is the sector where it's still 97% fueled by oil. So that is where, you know, we really need some solution and innovation to really go towards sustainability. What is River Simple about and which is your idea? Okay, so River Simple is a sustainable car company. We have pioneered a hydrogen powered vehicle and the business model to bring it to market. We focus really on sustainability. You mentioned our, our purpose statement at the beginning there, which is to systematically eliminate the environmental impact of personal transport. And I think that's it really. It's systematically because we've got to keep on going at this. This is a problem that needs to be to be looked at and, and, and sort of dealt with. And eliminate means that there's there's no, you know, we're not room for sort of less unsustainable. We're not interested in that. We want fully and fully sustainable. Uh, obviously personal transport, which is the mobility side of it. The thing about River Simple that's a little bit interesting is that um we're interested in sort of what we refer to as whole system design. And the key here then is to look at everything rather than just looking at specific individual components or aspects of the business, we've tried to look at the whole system. So on that design theme, there are sort of three levels of design. So if we start technically with the vehicle itself, we focused on creating a highly energy efficient vehicle, which is in our instance is a hydrogen powered vehicle. And um, I'm sure you'll have some questions on that in a moment. But the hydrogen vehicle side of it is because hydrogen's light as a component. And it means what we can do is rather than try and fit in with these new technologies, try and fit it into an existing construct, if you like, from the transport sector. So, you know, a typical vehicle framework. What we do is we built the entire vehicle around the powertrain in this instant hydrogen. So it's what we call clean slate, you know, starting with a clean slate um, and designing it in that instance. So we've managed to create a vehicle that's incredibly lightweight by also using carbon fibre. We've got things like in-wheel motors. We've got um, supercapacitors. We've got in-wheel braking. So we've got lots of exciting things that actually allow us to create this vehicle that is extremely efficient. It can do 300 mile range, which is something that's more accustomed to an ice, you know, so an internal combustion engine vehicle like petrol or diesel. The key for us is actually, like I said, energy efficiency. So it's got 250 miles per gallon equivalent, which I don't know if you if you've looked at your vehicle recently. Hey, my car is about 40, 46 miles per gallon. That's in a typical petrol car. And it's a small mini. Um, so 250 miles per gallon is, is equivalent. It's, it's something that's really quite an exciting metric to be chasing. So that's what we're interested in. So we've created it so that it is completely different. So we've got this really clever vehicle. We're trying to design it to be circular based on circular thinking. So 
not the traditional linear of make, use and dispose, but circular whereby you design it differently. You make it using minimum resource. You use it for a long time as possible. And at the end of life, you capture as much as possible. So that's what we try to incorporate in the actual technical side of our, of our business. And we believe we've cracked it with what we've done in you know, the technical aspects here. We're using a very small hydrogen fuel cell. And again, this is around energy efficiencies. So if you look at other hydrogen vehicles, for example, like the Toyota or Hyundai, they've got fairly big hydrogen fuel cells. And that's, like I say, because they're using existing structures. We've created it completely differently. So in, in doing so, it means that we can change the way that the vehicle would normally run. So we've got this energy efficient vehicle. And that's one level of design, which is the technical side. Which is the second step then? And the next bit then is the business model. So you've created a vehicle and rather than selling it, we're selling the service of the vehicle. And the reason for this is because efficiency is at the heart of what we're doing. So if you create a vehicle normally and you want to sell it, your drivers are to sell more of that or to sell in the after sales market. So you're constantly incentivized to use resource. That's not obviously if you're an environmental business, it's not what we're in the game of. More of it's not aligning with your customer either, because what your customer doesn't want is to be constantly sold something or constantly be given components in the after sales market. So if you sell a service, what we can do is we can build a different car, which is why our car is designed in the way it is. It's designed for a long life. It's designed using minimum resource as possible and maximum constant, you know, resource conservation and low running costs, all those things that are great for us, because actually we benefit because we own the car. You don't own the car, you use the service. So we can amortize the cost of that vehicle across its lifetime, which if we take the River Simple Raza, which is our entry vehicle, then actually that car is anticipated about 20 years. We expect it to be slightly longer, actually, but because if we want to make sure it's it's realistic for people and people can get their head around what we're doing, we've sort of simulated against 20-year lifetime. And then at the end of life, what we can do is take those components because all that life, we've got it for the, the whole time. So at the end of life, it's not a lost uh, vehicle that's out somewhere we don't know where it is. We can capture the value there. And it becomes actually for us, you know, that's actually a resource that we can put back into our business. It's not a negative, it's a positive for us. It's everything that you're doing, it changes the incentives and how you behave as a company, what you're trying to do, aligns you with your customer, with the environment. And we actually believe it will be more profitable. So that's that second level of design. And what about the third one? And finally, for us, it's the, the governance, which is probably more my passion here. Um, but that's the piece that brings it all together. So we're talking about looking at how you run your business and why you run it. So we don't, in a traditional business, you have a, an investor, a financial investor, who would give money into the business and then actually have a, a quite a strong say in how that business is run. And what that leads to is short-termism in terms of decision-making and, of course, a focus specifically on profit over, perhaps in some instances, or to the detriment of, if you like, for the environment or community or what have you. What we've done is we've created um, a multi-stakeholder governance system. So we actually have our key stakeholders as a business, which includes environment, community, staff, commercial partners, uh, investors and customers. So that's all six of them. And they all have an equal say in our business. So when it comes to strategy and our, you know, what we're doing and how we're running our business, they all jump on board and have an equal say. They have to balance and protect those interests. So they've all got benefit streams that they have to balance. And that's interesting because, again, it changes the way that your business is run. You're not focused on the short term. You're not focused on specifically 
making profit. Now, of course, you need to make profit. You need that resilience of profit for the business to the longevity of what you're doing. But nevertheless, it's not the only driver. So that means you can balance it out. So you are looking at long term objectives. You're looking at things that balance all these stakeholders for the benefit of all, which we believe will, if you like, grow the pie for all and actually make it better. So it's those three levels of design which have a huge impact on the way that we've shaped our business. Wonderful. I think it's very, very good. So you have the three points. I think you have made the wonderful three points. That is the, the fuel. Then you have the business model, which is not the traditional one. And then you have the governance. Let me ask you a question with the first one. You know, we have a lot of debate uh, about hydrogen. We, we talk about, you know, in the news, there is Tesla versus the others, uh, Nikola and everything. Why you choose hydrogen and which are the advantages of hydrogen compared to electric vehicle? Can you explain this? Because I think there's a lot of confusion. Yeah, there is a lot of confusion, I would agree. So let's start off with the very basics. So hydrogen and battery are both electric vehicles. So you are dealing in electricity in both instances. It's And they're both ways of storing electricity. So you don't dig electricity at the ground, you're storing it so that you can use it in the vehicle. So you've got battery or you've got hydrogen at the moment, and there are other alternatives as well. The first thing I would say is that actually we need both. Like anything, what we're trying to do is decarbonize as fast as possible. There's an application for both. We need both. They have different uses and obviously you can use them in different ways. And I think that's what's important is to understand what you're trying to do with the vehicle that you want to use. In our instance, the reason we've chosen hydrogen is because it's um, incredibly light. So light weighting, as they call it in the engineering side of things. Light weighting is important because that then has a huge impact on efficiency and energy efficiency. For the range that we're accustomed to, which is, say, circa 250, 300 miles, then actually battery isn't necessarily the best application and the reason we say this is because a battery can take you if you're talking about short range it's incredibly efficient battery and much more efficient than hydrogen for those short range journeys but what you need to do with batteries is you need to put another battery on in order to to extend that range but batteries are heavy and so in doing that what you're doing is you're okay you're increasing your range but you're also adding weight so what you end up doing is the more batteries you add, the more weight you're carrying in order to take you further. You know, in terms of if you look at the graph of efficiency, it sort of drops off a cliff after a certain range, which we think is about 100 to 120 miles. It starts to become very difficult because you're constantly adding these batteries just to carry the weight, if you like, to carry you know, yourself that further range. Whereas with hydrogen, of course, it's incredibly light. And in fact, in that sense, you can actually, you know, you can go a lot further on a fuel cell that's, um, you know, tank of hydrogen so you can have that in a car you can have it bigger if you wish to but it's light so that's one area of it i think that's important and which is the other area we're looking at like i say whole system designs we're not specifically focusing on one particular element we are a sustainable car company not a hydrogen car company so if for example something came along a new powertrain that was even better than hydrogen for the application that we're looking for then we would absolutely switch to that. We're not married to hydrogen. We're married to sustainability. So if we do that, we will switch to powertrains as, as if we needed to because we're systems integrated essentially. And that's what we'll do. But for us, for the vehicle that we're building, what we're trying to create here, then actually hydrogen is the best output. Equally at the moment, end of life for hydrogen, for the components, we can reuse and repurpose them best than you can at the moment, as I understand for battery electric. But again, there are advances in all these different things. Battery, you know, is coming on leaps and bounds. Hydrogen has come on leaps and bounds and costs. We know cost reduction is one of the big things people say about hydrogen is it costs a lot of money. And yeah, it does cost, you know, more money, for example, at the moment than battery. But that's not to say that it will continue that way. You know, battery electric, the first 
land speed record was done with a battery electric vehicle. So this technology has been around for a while. Hydrogen is fairly new on the other hand. So, you know, we're working towards that. But this isn't a either or. This is how do we get both of them up there? Because we're going to do more if we have both of them available to us. And we, you know, choose the application that we're trying to do. And we help enable it. If we enable both these technologies, we'll be in a much better position. If you look at electric battery, like I say, you know, if we try and put everybody, there's like 32 million cars in the UK, for example. If we try and put all of those cars onto electric battery cars, we've got a problem. And that's this sort of unintended consequence you've got to be careful of, I think, as well. And hydrogen's the same. You've got to be careful of what you're trying to do here. You've got to look at the whole picture. So if you are taking a battery electric vehicle, you know, your use of things like cobalt, use of copper, et cetera, you know, you're, you're using serious amounts of the world's production for that. And the Natural History Museum has actually come up with some really quite astounding figures for that alone. And that's just that. But then if you're looking at things like renewables, you know, perhaps you'll need to have more wind turbines. Again, you're using more resource. So it's about understanding how you can balance that out as appropriately as possible. So it is actually a mixture of these technologies. It is a mixture to make sure that we can make the right decisions and suitable decisions that aren't going to be dangerous in the long term. We're trying to you know, decarbonize straight away. Battery electric technology is considered more available right now. So people will jump on that. But battery electric, for example, doesn't take account of people who can't, you have off street parking. You know, a third of the houses in the UK don't have access to that. So charging is more difficult for them. That means they're charging during the daytime, perhaps, or doing long journeys and charging during the daytime. That's a huge peak in demand. Again, you're spiking on the electricity bit, uh, grid, which is a, quite an ask. You know, if you're 13 million cars suddenly jump on that, you know, our electricity grid in the UK, you know, it, it isn't made for that at this stage. What was great about uh, battery electric vehicles initially was that they could stabilize the grid at night so you could you know trickle charge over the night which would stabilize the grid which was fantastic if you're now switching that and having these cars i mean some can charge at home but if you're doing longer journeys be, you know there's quick charges it just changes what you're trying to trying to achieve and again you need to just think about the right technology yeah. for that application i think you have given us a good panorama of the reasons i can summarize here it was the difficulties hydrogen is light more range and then also something about the life. This is taking me to the second question because that is where your business model is. You're not a company that wants to sell cars. You're not going to the traditional model, but you're going to service. Can you explain better that? How is it working? Where do you get the value? And if I want to get a car of yours, I will be paying you, which is your revenue uh, model. Sure. So you're right. It's a sale of service model or mobility as a service, depending on who you talk to, or even servitization. There are lots of different names for it. Um, and all of that means that rather than actually sell the product to you, we will provide it in a different way. So it's a full service model. So we sell mobility, which means that we will provide you with the car, but also we'll provide you with the means to access fuel, insurance, maintenance, servicing, what we don't want you to have, it's a hassle-free full service offering. That's what we're trying to provide you with. So, you know, you'll take the car for a one to three year contract, for example. You'll contract directly with River Simple and you'll take the car, you'll pick up the vehicle and off you'll go. And if you need to refuel, you'll use the hydrogen refueling station that you'll be captive to because it's a local vehicle, I should also highlight. So we've created our entry vehicles local. And the reason for that is around um, hydrogen filling stations, which I presume is one of your questions later on. What we're trying to do at the moment in the UK, for example, there's sort of around about 20, slightly less than that, 20 hydrogen filling stations at the moment. Now, there's a growth plan for more of those. And the same Europe's looking pretty similar in terms of their 
their rollout of hydrogen. So we're still a bit short in terms of, you know, bringing in sort of mass rollout of hydrogen. So what we've developed is this, is this local vehicle for local use. And the idea of that 300 mile range that I, that I talked about earlier wasn't so much that, you know, you drive one direction for 300 miles. It's so that you can fill up your vehicle once a week, perhaps if you use 300 miles during a week or, or twice a week, what have you. So it's a local vehicle for that reason. So that we can, what we can do is we can build this, this sort of skeleton of, a, of a, an infrastructure without having to gamble with this nationwide uh, kind of infrastructure side of things. So that's not something that we have to then foot the bill for, or indeed the government. But what we can do is create a business case for each of these hydrogen filling stations. Because again, a, a different to battery electric, you, it's not like you have to charge for half an hour. A fill with um, hydrogen is about three minutes. So actually, you know, it's much more akin to what you're used to with petrol or diesel vehicles. So if you're parking up and you're filling up for three to five minutes, then you'll just drive off with a River Simple vehicle because, you know, your, your fuel is covered and it's a, it's a monthly bill that comes out at the end. So how do you pay for it? And a bit like the old fashioned telephones that used to have a, a sort of telephone bill and a sort of, uh, I guess, minutes, if you recall, back in the day, they'd split it slightly. At the moment, we're looking at that. We're, we're trialing our vehicles at the moment. So we're testing out the different payment methods. But there's a, an operational fee which covers the, the vehicle itself, your sort of general wear and tear and maintenance and the like. And then there's this other cost of mileage, which, again, which goes into that as well, which is, is part of the whole fee. But, you know, if you're doing more miles, obviously, it's more wear and tear. So that also has to be considered. So. Those people who are doing less miles and more efficient pay less. Those people who are doing a bit more miles, it's still, it's still efficient on the, the whole scale, scale of things, um, but you'll pay a bit more. So we wrap that all into a monthly fee and then and then you'll pay direct again to River Simple. And I think what's interesting in terms of the, I think you were asking then about the financial our revenue model. It is very different because actually now we're not talking about paying, you know, selling you a vehicle and having a chunk of money at that point and nothing after, and perhaps some after sales market which is what the usual car market um, caps about 40% of the revenue of a vehicle through its life. In our model, it's 100% because it's our vehicle. We have it the whole of its life. So that completely, again, changes the way that we drive this vehicle, how we use this vehicle, and how we build a vehicle. So all those things come together for us, and we benefit from the way that we've built this car differently. So, okay, it might cost a bit more in terms of components, but over its lifetime, we're able to reduce the cost and bring it to market at a cost that's equivalent to a normal petrol diesel vehicle, which right now, though these things are more expensive, you know, we're talking essentially about a supercar in the shape of a normal car for people to access, which, you know, a normal hydrogen car, I think, starts about £60,000 sterling. Um, I'm sure you can do the translations. <laughs> and US dollar is roughly 80,000. Um, so it's, it's an expensive car. You know, that's not something everybody can afford. So what we're trying to do, this isn't about having sort of super rich people being able to access efficient vehicles. This is trying to get this accessible and available to everybody. So what we're trying to do is bring it out in this much lower rate. So you're paying this much more a fraction of that for a year or three years or what have you. And then at the end of life, you bring it back to us. We refurbish it, perhaps do a software update, and out it goes to the next person. And, and so on and so forth, so that 20-year life plus, depending on how this vehicle manages. And what's interesting about that, it, again, it changes the whole drivers of secondhand market. You know, you're looking at a vehicle that's going to have reliability built in. You don't have to worry about that. If I was buying a secondhand car tomorrow, I think, oh, gosh, is this car going to still function? Is it going to cost me a lot of money on maintenance? But you know you've got a set amount every month to pay and plus whatever your mileage is. So you've got an idea of what, you know, you can predict your costs through the two years of your contract, for example. You know, I think there's some really exciting lessons and things we still have to figure out. Um, from a revenue perspective, we're looking at long-term revenue, if you like. So obviously, like I say, 20 years of that is a trickle of income. But we believe it's, in, you know, it's eye-wateringly profitable. 
later in life but not immediately you know this isn't a sort of tomorrow you're going to be rich this is you know if you look at our financial model for example we haven't done a sort of three to five year financial model we've done a 20 to 40 year. in fact I think we're talking about 60 years of the day so you know it's not that it's profitable by them but we've just we've just pushed it out that far so we can understand exactly what this business can do and how we can do it so which are the vehicles that river simple is producing right now our first vehicle that we're going to bring to market i think i've talked about is the river simple rasa which is this two-seater vehicle tabula rasa by the way means clean slate in latin that's where the name comes from Uh, And that's our first vehicle. Our second vehicle is going to be a light commercial van. And we think that one's going to be the one that really, I suppose, gets people's interest because it's that last mile delivery. So all those vans in in town centres and things that are are running around and can't perhaps for the downtime or they actually don't necessarily bulk out. So it's not a weight thing, actually. They just need to move around quite a lot and fill up with boxes and things. So, you know, they just need that sort of last mile delivery to get from A to B and, you know, hydrogen provides a great solution for that after that once we've got this infrastructure built out a little bit more we can then talk about the sort of you know the, the motorway capable vehicles the four seaters the five seaters the family and the dog and all those sorts of things that people want but you know we're not really ready for it yet so we're just building ourselves so we can be you know profitable at the early point and have a, a capable and, and captive market and then grow from there what you said it really triggered me my next question the market Given the limitation, as you said about the network of station that is difficult, given all the other um, till the costs and your model, which is a bit different, what people are used, you know, changing habits is a bit difficult. How do you market sustainability? I was reading interesting papers around it. Marketing sustainability sometimes can fall on the old concept of the 1960 myopia. We are focusing about how good is our product, but can be sold. How you overcome? Because you are a startup that is really bringing a disruptive model, a disruptive innovation, which is at the early stages. And, you know, it's really for people that really want to jump in in something very different, which we are used, which is up my gas, my station. Are you really triggered that? Because I think that will be very interesting to understand yeah. from you. I think it's a really interesting point, actually. And there are almost two sides to this because... As you say, we are a startup. So actually, we're not just trying to sell, if you like, the concept to customers. We're also trying to sell the concept to investors. So if I may answer almost both sides, if possible. So with customers, let's start with them. So you're right. You know, what we don't want to really be, I mean, we are obviously sustainability is at our heart. It's what we do. It's, you know, what we all, all focus on. And it's incredibly important to us. But we don't want this to be an eco guilt car. You know, what you don't want to be doing is say to people, well, you must be sustainable. Therefore, you must have our car. We almost want people to love our car. And the fact that it's sustainable is a bonus on top. So that's what we're trying to get to. You're right, we're still a startup. We're still pre-revenue. So at this stage, we haven't gone to market. So a lot of this is still learning. And we're currently building a trial at the moment, which will be running this year. So we'll be learning a lot of stuff about that. What we've learned so far is that the age range of people interested in our vehicle is across the board you know I mean often with vehicles they've got this sort of ideal consumer and they have this wonderful profile of the perfect consumer and you know it's all down to you know their likes their music taste etc we've got an entire different range of people that seem to be interested in our vehicle they, they all drive completely different cars some of them drive little minis I and mean, this is a two-seater car at the moment don't forget so they drive minis some of them all the way through to you know sort of Range Rovers and you're thinking well how could you replace your Range Rover with a two-seater but you know you're right we are having these early adopters people who are interested in sustainability and perhaps it's a second vehicle for them so they can afford to downsize slightly on that rather than the first vehicle or what have you but you know a lot of these I think we want to be quite clear that we actually are still trying to figure this out you know our customers are going to tell us what they want and how they want it and I think what we need to do is learn from them 
we're selling directly to people. What's interesting for us, if people are interested in our vehicle, is that we go ideally either there's enough people to create a mass so we can put a business case together to put in a hydrogen filling station, and or there's already a hydrogen filling station nearby. I mean, that's I guess the critical focus for us as a customer. You can be any sort of person, any kind of income, whatever. But that's how it will work. And like I say, we're trying to have this sort of you know, this contract arrangement with our customers that isn't so, you know, you're not locked into it in this horrifically long way, like, you know, perhaps a PCP where you sort of feel locked in or it's driven in a different way. You know, that's a, a financial mechanism to push through the vehicles that are automatically being d- developed, if you like, from big OEMs. We're not doing that. We're building only 5,000 vehicles in one plant per year. Scale of production is quantum less than these big organizations do. They push out hundreds of thousands per plant. You know, we're, we're talking massively less than that, but still able to make a profit because of it, because we're talking about something that we can scale, but we're not going to increase that plant. We're not interested in giga factories. We're interested in micro plants, almost the opposite of the, of the industry. And again, that's because we can raise finance around that. We can push that out in that way. And it allows us to be more flexible. So from one plant, we can produce some rasers, some two-seater rasers and some vans because of the same powertrain. So we can push those out, if you like. And then another plant might produce just the vehicle. So that's what we can do. And we can dot them all over the country. We've got them in different places as well. So, you know, in terms of customer requirements, it's not quite the same. We're not pushing out in the same way. Our, our model is different. So the customers can be whoever they want to be. I'm sure we'll look to target and I'm sure we'll do some, you know, big campaigns around marketing and the like. But for in, in the sort of in the main instance, what we're looking at is if people that will love the car. And this is a fun car to drive, you know, electric cars hydrogen or otherwise tend to be quite fun you know you put your foot on the on the accelerator and you go it's not like a petrol or diesel that takes a while for it to get there it seems so much faster than it is because it you know it's direct to wheel and we've got four in-wheel motors so that's proper four-wheel drive <laughs> you know which makes it really exciting and fun to drive so that's i guess the customer side of things by all means julia also invest us from the investor side of things you know i think it's a lot of what we have to do is education actually it probably sticks also for customer because people don't understand hydrogen vehicles yet that's still very new to them understanding how this technology can work and how they can adapt it into their lifestyle and what it really means people are still focused on the battery versus hydrogen conversation and that's really only you know that that's sort of i guess um a bit distracting to what we really need to do here which is to help decarbonize so i think there's an education piece investors you know i think a lot of them are really excited about what we can do we're you know a small company we can go see we're looking to uh, launch in the uk in the first instance but um beyond that we are open to, to working in different countries now again our rollout scheme for that is probably a bit different so we're in the uk in case you want to know because you know this is where we started out we understand the infrastructure and the market we know how it work if we go abroad then we're looking at joint ventures there we're not looking at taking our concept and assuming that we know what to do in for example kenya you know we don't we don't know the market there what we need to have is local players to be part of that and work with them you know we've got some technology that we can bring to market but ultimately they need to tell us what the customers are like there they're going to be different to the customers that are in the uk the vehicle will probably look very different there's different requirements and even the energy source that you use to make up hydrogen you know you might have wind or you might have solar predominantly or you might have biomass it doesn't have to be any one of those things does it you know it's about looking at your collection in your local area and how we can develop that so you know we're trying to be responsible in terms of what we deliver and also um i guess you know thoughtful about what the country needs and and what kind of cars and vehicles would be needed there for the people but with investors I think they need to buy into what we're doing here because when you change the model from a product to a service, the way your payback is different, the way you have to invest is different. And that's still being played out. 
to be honest, Sam. So at the moment, banks haven't necessarily fully got into the circular economy side of it to understand the servitization piece that fits in. There's lots of regulations coming out now around circular economy. There's lots of talk about a circular economy happening, but actually the drivers of the financial revenue and so on and so forth and how they structure that, that's still being developed. We're working with obviously different organizations to see how we can support that activity. But ultimately, we you know, we've done lots of modeling and, you know, and it looked very profitable. And that's what we need to keep on getting across so people can put in the necessary mechanisms. You are on a mission, really. You have set up every time I read that, you know, the elimination, the environmental of principal transport, you have set up the bar very high and you are doing it really in a disruptive way. Your business model, the way you're doing from the fuel, you know, you are really different. I got a keyword from your answer. It was education. And I think now you have to educate. You have to educate the customer. You have to educate the investors. You have to educate the broader, you know, stakeholders, you know, the government to push towards, you know, as, as for an example, to push for a network of hydrogen or mm-hmm. other type of stations to foster. And, and I think there, the education side is what also makes River Simple different because I read about your circular economy center and that you did together. And you, since you are a leader, of this center with the two universities in Wales. And I think there you are really, as you said, educate how it's working. What is this center about? Yes. So the center is called Circular Revolution and it will be based in Mid Wales um, with us actually at River Simple. It's supported, as you say, by Swansea University, which is in Wales, but also Exeter University, which is in England. They're both, you know, really quite impressive organized or universities that are based on circular economy so their support and knowledge is coming into this organization into this operation as well which is really exciting the innovation center has got sort of two aims to it one aim is an outreach program to businesses what we're doing in west wales and the valleys is where we're focusing that outreach and we're, we're working with them to try and look at them look at their businesses look at their products look at their services and see how we can circularize those as much as possible so we can support them in developing what they're doing and how they can transition so that's that's been led by the universities they're working a lot on that side of things so they'll be you know developing that with the organizations SMEs mostly so small businesses and then on the other side of things we've got this really exciting research and innovation piece which is now was ever simple mostly as the case study in this and we're looking at how we can you know with servitization how we can develop that further so as a as a business that's as we've got servitization at the heart of it or sale of service then there are certain challenges that you face with that and again as you say River simple we're not doing things by halves so you know we're not only interested in providing the customer with a service what we're interested in as well is taking that upstream into our supply chain which again changes things so just to be clear on that if we're talking about if you like the fuel cell so rather than just buy a fuel cell from a fuel cell supplier we want to lease the the, the kilowatt hours of a fuel cell from the fuel cell provider who will then lease for example the membrane from membrane supplier who will then release the platinum from platinum supplier so that's interesting because suddenly rather than if you like mining platinum then actually what they can do is have that on their balance sheet and provide it so they don't actually have to continue mining they can just lease that platinum out which again changes a lot of the drivers of what we're doing and how we do things going forward so if we have something like that we can take that upstream and again they're then building a different kind of fuel cell. They'll be building something that lasts for a long time, minimum resource use, all those good things that we want to hear from a, an environmental stance point. 
but also from a you know low maintenance and something that lasts a long time which is great so it's good for our customers and, and so on and so forth so that whole sort of ecosystem isn't actually that you know we, we haven't necessarily got all the sort of back-end support pieces that we need to support that so you know essentially rather than providing someone with a car which is a product we're providing a service but behind that is a series of agreements because again we don't own the components within it so you know we need to work through all that stuff which with our supply chain you know they're, they're part of it we're bringing them on this journey that's and you know getting them to commit to this circularity if we can so you know that's a really exciting part we're looking at contracts how we can make them much more efficient cleverer smarter how do you integrate technology in your approach we're looking at how we can open source a lot of our technology as we go forward that's been something that river simple has committed to from early days and you know we're now starting to really bring these on board and make these things happen so and the other thing is blockchain which i know is quite a, a sort of interesting conversation at the moment around energy efficiency and how that works but again just to touch upon that very briefly you know we're looking at this whole system design it's not about the individual component of blockchain it's actually looking at what that does if it decentralizes and digitalizes certain elements it could actually be more energy efficient for example hypothetically speaking than doing it in a different way so we need to look at this we're exploring it it's part of our research so it's not the one thing is good and one thing is bad it's about understanding how you can build this entire system to make it as energy efficient as possible you're right you bring up our purpose i mean we're driving we're constantly driving towards this so you know we might not have the answers today but we're going to keep on research until we get the answers and keep on pushing forward I think in summary River Simple is more than a car. From your discussion and a really nice conversation you've given us a model we started discussing a car but actually we are discussing a new type of manufacturing uh, selling and relationship with the suppliers with the customers it's really a transformational journey that you are embarked i think that is why and the recognition of this raptis startup and the role that was given you by the macarthur foundation i think it's very very interesting i want to ask you one thing you know since you are i can say a change maker in our environment can you give one piece of advice for the change makers out there oh that's a difficult question I suppose one of the things I've learned from a simple is that we're always taught aren't we that you should do things incrementally that that's how you should change things you know look at them little bit by bit change something tiny bit see how that goes and then go forward and I think that probably works in a traditional environment where you know you're not up against something like climate change you know we're facing this crisis in a way that we've never faced anything before so when you're looking at completely different parameters you can't take the old advice you know we're not there anymore so I think for the 21st century for where we are now the idea that it's risky to change everything at once and is is no longer applies now it's about doing everything you can because you know one of the things that we say at River Simple less unsustainable is still not sustainable so you've got to drive everything you know the old system trying to change the old system and work within that that old system is actually not working for us anymore so now you've got to break out of that and do things differently and breaking out means of course doing more than one thing you're changing more than one thing so i think if i could provide any advice it's that you know don't be afraid to do something differently if you know you're looking at the long term you're looking at sustainability hopefully at the heart of what you're doing you know it's not about one little change it can be much bigger than that you can be bold and you can be brave about it and and you know and that's what we need everyone to be right now that is wonderful i think we have a very rich session we started discussing 
automotive and we went all the way really out to build a sustainable 360 degree company. River Simple is an example. I will be glad to, to keep in touch and discuss even maybe in one year where your journey has taken you. So I want to thank you so much, Julia, for being with us and for this disruptive and wonderful challenge that you are taking up to yourself and your company. So thank you so much, Julia. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Sam. Are you better off after this wonderful episode? We have learned a lot about how to do disruptive business model, truly sustainable, because we have learned today that less sustainable is not yet sustainable. For the next episode, we will change continent, going to see how change makers are working towards a regenerative agriculture.